ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode, episode number two this week of 1% Better. And Colts, I mean, the season's moving along pretty quickly here. We're going into week four, headed to Chicago to meet the Bears, the undefeated Bears. What? Undefeated. Undefeated and unstoppable. Who knew? (laughs) Unstoppable except for three quarters against the Atlanta Falcons. But That's why you play four. Um, right. So anyway, um, this is going to be interesting, but I, you know, we'll get into the particulars of the matchup in just a moment. But um, I think a little bit tougher test for the Colts. Um, I don't know what the Bears are. I don't think Bears fans know what they are, but they are. That's kind of the fun part for me. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for one to see this Colts team play a tougher opponent. I think the Bears will be tougher than the Vikings, mm-hmm. and certainly tougher than the Jets. I don't know if the Bears are good. I don't think the Bears fans necessarily believe that. They've certainly shown a lot of grit in the last couple of weeks. Do you get what I did there, right? Oh, Since my God. I, staff, I hope right? that was on purpose. Oh, we will get to that guy. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and, no, I just – I'm starting to believe the Colts are a pretty good team. I don't know how good. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not based on who they beat the last couple of weeks. It's, it's based on how they played. And I really think Buckner is changing the way the defense can play. And, and these turnovers, while they're not going to continue at three interceptions a game, that's ridiculous pace. I still think they're going to see a lot more than they have in past years. And that changes a lot of things. And, and I think Rivers is playing very well. And if he can cle- keep up this completion percentage that he's at, he's leading the league in that category, they can be a pretty good team. I think they'll be tough to beat. Um, I'm excited to see how they do against the Bears on Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I have peeked ahead at the schedule, as a lot of you have, and wow, it gets bad. It gets tough, I would say, yeah. late October, November, and I still don't feel great about that, right? Like, I still think that is extremely daunting, you know, getting Tennessee, like, twice in three weeks and playing Baltimore and, you know, throwing the Packers. The look, Packers look I don't... as good as any team out there besides the All Chiefs right, right now. <laughs> right. Like, I don't feel good about it. However... We will cross that bridge when we get to it. For now, the Colts are a team that is, honestly, they've dominated the past two opponents. They have just thoroughly dominated them. And that has to tell you something. It doesn't, it maybe doesn't tell you a lot about about those other teams, but I think it does. We already knew, right? We knew that Minnesota had problems. You know, didn't think they were that bad, but we knew right. they had problems. I don't think we, they are, but but yeah. Right, right, right. We knew the Jets were just woeful, and that just confirmed everything we already knew. But I think, you know, we're, we're learning about this Colts team because it is a little bit of a different team. And it it continues to sort of evolve, right, because of injuries. And so mm-hmm. let's get to that. Uh, there's good news and bad news, right? So today the good news is so they got a few guys back at practice who we haven't seen in a long time uh rocky sin who's had a medical issue the last couple of weeks trey burton sheldon day remember those guys yeah <laughs> who have yet to put on a colts uniform this season they were back out there don't know if they play but they're getting closer I but will on the other this, hand you know and, and i don't know if they're going to play sunday i think that's probably a little too pre- premature Sheldon Day was working as sort of the last guy with the defensive line. They sort of do their reps in order. DeForest Buckner usually goes first. Justin Houston, you get the hint. Um, I think it's going to take a little time for him to get yeah. back. Now, Trey Burton was moving well, and it did not necessarily look like they were really holding him back or in a pitch count or anything. Now, we don't get to see the actual 
offensive part of practice where they're running real plays. We just saw individuals, but uh, I wouldn't rule out Trey Burton just yet. This is a revenge game for him, although I don't <laughs> think he has as much animosity towards the Bears as Bears fans have towards him. But um, look, this is a guy that caught a million balls during camp. We saw it. He was absolutely going to be a focal part of the offense. And, you know, if not this week, in the next couple of weeks, the Colts are going to have another pass catching threat uh, for Phillip Rivers. Yeah, and they need it because the other side of that coin, that injury coin where they're getting some guys back, the other side of that coin is they've lost Michael Pittman for a while. Right. And this was not a minor thing, actually. It, it will end up being somewhat minor in the end, thankfully, but it was potentially major. And so this compartment syndrome that he's dealing with, uh, if you haven't heard about this, what this basically is in layman's term is you take some kind of trauma to the leg. And I guess he took a low hit on Sunday. We knew he was in and out of the game. So we knew he was hurt, but it didn't seem that serious. No one was really attending to him. He tried to go back in, right? I mean, we saw him warming up. So he clearly wasn't like in a great deal of pain or discomfort or they weren't worried about him. Well, the training staff got a call Sunday night and his leg was in a great amount of pain apparently. And the reason for that was what's called compartment syndrome. It means you have blood swelling up inside the the tissue, in this case, his calf muscle, and it creates this pressure where there's nowhere for it to go. And that can end up impacting the nerves. And when you know, and if you know anything about nerves, you need your nerves to be in good working order. (laughs) Okay. Right. So uh, that was very scary. They they had to go in and, and have him have an emergency procedure to alleviate that pressure. He's okay. He's mending, but he's going to be out a while. And I think the Colts are going to have to cope with that. So now, Zach, they have, in the, I guess, in a period of two weeks now, they've lost yeah. essentially two starting receivers. Yeah, that's, they've lost that's rough. three critical pieces of the offense, if you include yeah. Marlon Mack. And that's tough. I said it last week, and I still am going to stick with this statement. They're in better shape to handle this than in years past. I mean, remember a couple years ago, they were literally just scouring the free agent market for receivers who could play on Sunday, and this was Tuesday. They've got Zach Paschal, and you really like it if Zach Paschal needs to step up because he's done it before, did it last season. Beyond that, they're thin, though, and it's time for Reese Fountain to step up. He made his first career catch on Sunday. They need more from him. Maybe Desmond Patman gets his shot. Maybe they call up Marcus Johnson from the practice squad. They did sign uh, our old friend Krishan Hogan from the practice squad, who spent some time here and has played and, and played well in the NFL. The pride of Marion roles. University. Yeah. Right, and Warren Central. Um, yeah. But look, I mean, you lose Paris Campbell, you lose uh, Michael Pittman. This means they're going to have to get more from the running backs and more from the tight ends. Segway. Moali Cox has been an absolute stud their first three games of the season. He's leading the league among tight ends and um, catch percentage, and he's leading the league in terms of average catch. He's averaging 18.1 per catch. I mean, I didn't see him as this sort of downfield threat, and I was wrong because he is that. Um, That's been a good sign so far. We'll see how they handle it, but that speaks to them needing to get Trey Burton back as soon as possible as well. You know who you didn't mention and who needs to really produce right now? It's T.Y. Hilton. Right. This is an opportunity. Look, I don't know that this is going to be a big passing game. The Bears are, at least statistically, not a very good run defense. So I I think that's probably going to be the focus. And they actually are a top 10 passing defense at the moment. 
uh, and they have some decent personnel back there. But that being said, if they're going to have a passing threat right now, particularly after the injuries of the last two weeks, I think now if there's ever a time T.Y. Hilton is going to emerge, it has to be now. Right. Because if you're going to put this sort of heavy load on guys like you know, Reese Fountain, okay, that's right. where you're playing with fire. Now, I don't doubt that Reese Fountain is ready for the opportunity, and then whether he makes good on it, we'll see. But I, I do think he's earned the opportunity, right? I mean, he, he was kind of the next guy up based on production through training camp and what have you. So he's getting, yeah. he's going to get his shot, and he deserves it. Ashton Doolin as well, by the way, who I think is, is a little underrated. I, I probably haven't given him enough credit the last year and a half. That being said, T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and we're not talking three for fifty. We're talking like six for one hundred and ten. Like he needs like, to get he, back to for a, a big pro bowl yeah. level, and he hasn't done that. And and he got out of the drops last week and had a really nice day. But here's my question to you: They spread the ball around so much. Do you ever see a game like that coming from Ty? Now he's definitely capable of it, but Rivers is throwing the ball to running backs, and tight ends, and receivers, and it doesn't seem like there's one target. I know Nick Sirianni keeps saying that we're going to run this offense through TY. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's just an equal opportunity unit. And I think that is not stunning given who the quarterback is. Right. You know, I, I think look back at those days with Andrew Luck, right? Remember those? And <laughs> it was very clear, all right? He would force the ball to TY. Okay. Right. There was no question. And sometimes, most of the time it worked out, right? Sometimes I mean, so, there was no one else. Well, that's that is Besides definitely true. Trusty Jack Doyle, <laughs> that's right? That's true. Uh, but that being said, like I mean, we knew Andrew Luck would throw the ball to everybody. I mean, you know, he he made an NFL player out of you know guys like Derrick Rogers <laughs> for Allen. like five minutes. Don't Griff forget Allen. about the Griffer, the Griffer. So it's not that he wouldn't throw the ball to other guys, but he knew when it was time for a big play, he was going to his guy, right? He was going to Ty and Philip Rivers. I feel it's a little different with him. Uh, he's just like, you know what? He's a little more easygoing. He's like, I'm going to take what they give me. And if it's the check down, I'll take the check down. If it's a cross, I'll take that. And if it's like the first pass of the game on Sunday where he rolls to his right and Zach Pascal, uh, he's got he's got Zach Pascal on the sideline pushing it down the field 20, 25 yards. I'll take that. But it doesn't have to be for him. And I, I just, I don't know. I just think he, he thinks about it and views it differently than maybe other quarterbacks. And he does spread the ball around. He really does. He always has. And I just think that's going to... So to your question, right? Your question was, do I think that T.Y. can have a game like that? I think it's less likely. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's I think, not a, But it's also not a bad thing, just to be clear. And I don't think you necessarily want Phillip Rivers to push that that much. I don't think you right. want him to get out of the comfort zone and to get out of the scheme that much and improvise and be super aggressive. Cause one, that's where he gets into trouble throwing interceptions. We've seen that already. And two, you don't need him to be that MVP type quarterback. You don't want him Aaron Rodgers. You don't want him Russell Wilsoning around on the field. Cause he can't do that. And two, that's, that's just going to lead to trouble. So, um, I think it's it's going to be probably less exciting, less of those 50-yard chunk plays the, the Colts have been sort of talking about and wanting to return to. Um, but you can't argue with the results through three games, especially the last two. Um, it, it's it's going to be a more well-balanced offense, and it's sort of what Frank Reich talked about when he got in the door. I remember in you know January of 18, he, he's talking about 
I want to be able to do everything on offense and, and just keep the defense guessing. I feel like we're sort of watching that right now because you've got Taylor and he can definitely move the chains in the run game. And you've got a lot of different weapons in the pass game and you can do a lot of different things with those guys. So uh, it'll be fun to see him this week against Akeem Hicks and, and Khalil Mack, who's the best in the game. Yeah, the Colts right now, it's kind of interesting. They have a very interesting passing game. And I think you can look at it from a surface level, right? If you just kind of click the game on on Sunday and and don't really watch that closely, you're not going to be that interested in the passing game, right? I mean, it does it's just not that compelling right now. However, if you're really paying attention and you know, you do what we do for a living, right? And you have to do this stuff. Right. Like I've actually kind of come to see and and sort of learn some things and i think there's a couple of stats that are really interesting and the first the foremost one is philip rivers yards per attempt right now on sunday he was over 10 yards per attempt that was the highest in the nfl this weekend that's so surprising what that? yeah i that right did it feel surprising. like that yes no it didn't it did not feel like, like that, that at all because his, his completion percentage is so damn high it was 80 percent Mm-hmm. On Sunday. And he leads the league in that category through three games. I wouldn't have guessed that it was 10, for sure. So I think what's happening here is a couple things. Number one, they're not throwing it that much, right? He threw it 21 times. I think Jacoby had a few pass attempts at the end of the game. I think that's garbage the sweet time. spot, right? 22 to 28 passes, no more yes. than that. He's been there the last couple of weeks, actually. I think it's been right about 21 the past two weeks. And now, it's not always going to be that way because you're not going to win by three touchdowns every week, right? But I, I do think... There's there's some lessons here. Number one, it shows you can be productive in the passing game by still being very selective in when you pass. <laughs> I, you know, I think we it kind of feels like they have almost a little bit like a early 2019 passing game right now. When you, like if you weren't if you weren't really looking at it in its totality, right? right. Remember early last year they were running the ball uh, really you know very low on the passing attempts. Uh, but, you know, they were very efficient. Jacoby Brissett was extremely efficient. They weren't getting a lot of yardage, though. That was the difference. Now, right. Phillip Rivers is pretty high up in the league in yards per attempt. And some of that goes back to week one where he threw for a bunch of yards. But a lot of it really is just from maximizing the throws that he is making. So he's not maybe throwing the ball down the field, but he'll throw the ball in position for a guy to get yards after the catch. Right. And related related to this, which is the entire thing that's different this year, is the defense is putting up points. Right. And Frank Reich admitted this on Monday. And it's all related because Frank Reich was like, you absolutely call the game differently when your defense is doing that. And Philip Rivers talked about it today. Like the defense scored, what, 18 points, 16 points on Sunday. Um, that's in the not, last two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and it's not just the points, but it's the defense is playing lights out and taking the ball away and giving them great field position. And we should give a shout out to one of the best players on the team so far. It's Rigoberto Sanchez. He's been killing it from the punting position. And if you don't think this matters, I got news for you. It does because it absolutely changed the way the offense can call the game when they can be aggressive. And it's obviously a huge when it comes to field position. And Rigoberto keeps pinning them, the defense, inside their 10, inside their 5. Quarterbacks are continuing to have to make pressured throws. DeForest Buckner plays into that. And so the defense is making life so much easier for the offense. And to spin this full circle, that means Phillip Rivers does not have to take those deep shots that get him into trouble. He can take those 10 to 15-yard throws that he's very, very good at, he's been very accurate with. And that leads to a high completion percentage. And that leads to a lot of victories because they're 
I mean, it's a cliche, but I'm, I'm going to buy it right now. All three phases are contrib- contributing to these, to these wins. It's really a team effort. It's really hard to single out one team or excuse me, one unit, the defense, the offense or the special teams or even one player. I mean, the Colts are, they're pretty well rounded right now. Yeah, that's the mark of a good team. And you mentioned one last thing, just to put a bow on the passing game. One last thing on Rivers. I think, and this ties into T.Y. Hilton too, he has done a great job, I think, and I wasn't sure about this. I wasn't sure if he could do this, but he's done a great job of not trying to be a hero. <laughs> I think yeah. that is so important. He He's playing like a guy right now who gets it. He sees the, the kind of team he has. He sees... What you just said, that they are hitting on all cylinders in all three phases. And he realizes, you know what? I don't have a problem handing it to Jonathan Taylor and letting him go get four yards. Now, yep. Jonathan Taylor, we'll talk about him in a second. Like, Jonathan Taylor, there's more out there for him to get, yep. I think. But that being said, I mean, the guy's averaging four and a half yards per carry. So, like, who the hell's complaining about that? So, he sees the kind of team he's got. And he realizes, I'm not going to be an impediment to this. And I think that's just so smart of him because, again, I was worried about that. If I was the Colts, that would be my concern. And I know Frank Reich was like, no, no, he'll be fine. We'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. But Frank always says that. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. And I wasn't sure that I believed it. And so far, at least, and granted, I told you the meat of the schedule is coming. But so far, Phillip Rivers is playing like a guy who gets it. And I think that is so important. So it's that's a really good point. And I will say I want to see how it plays out when they play the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. But wouldn't that make you approach your job just a little bit different when you're a quarterback of a team and and you don't have to score 35 to win? You don't need to make those deep downfield throws. You don't have to force them into tight windows. You know you got a great run game, and you know you got a great passing game. And if you just stick to the game plan and don't try to force it, it might not be as sexy of a victory, it might not be as wide of a margin as you want. Um, if you're patient, you get the results they've gotten the last two weeks. I think Rivers gets it, and I think we, uh, I think we'll see more of that as the season goes on. I want to segue to the defense specifically because I do think you know this doesn't necessarily have to be a drawn out conversation, but I do think there's a couple things there to talk about. Number one, the the corners, okay, I, I really thought that was going to be a weakness, right? And I just, I had no faith in these guys. People kept asking me, like, so what's the weakness? What are you worried about? And I'm like, oh, I said the, the same thing. I said yeah. the whole secondary. I wasn't sure about Malik yes. Cooker in the back end, and, and it's unfortunate he had the Achilles injury, but, you know, Kyrie Willis had to step up too. So, but yeah, the corners were the, were the biggest position question I had for sure. Yeah. And, and so far, man, I mean, Xavier Rhodes, by the way, uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week, <laughs> right? Like a, a Colts corner? What? You know? So, I know. I know. <laughs> let's talk about that. Hey, the that, last one was well. Darius Butler, though. So it's happened recently, fairly recently. My guy. My guy. All right, good. So anyhow, I, I think a couple of things. Number one, these guys are enabling um, – well, I've said this. I said this on the last podcast, but it's true and it's worth repeating. They're playing off each other, the front end and the back end. Yeah. But in particular, I think they've got a lot of versatility on that back end right now. And Matty Rafus has been put in a really advantageous position here. Okay, he can play man to man. He can play zone. He can be aggressive. He cannot be aggressive. He he is utilizing all of his weapons right now, all of the tools right now, in terms of how he goes about this and. 
we didn't we haven't seen as much variety in the past, but we're seeing a little more of it now. And I think that goes to the personnel. I mean, I think just look at look at TJ Carey. All right, his veteran status and his experience, I think, is enabling them to continue to do those things, even with Rock Yassin out of the lineup the last couple right. of games. And so I just really think you know, we talked about or I should say Chris Ballard talked about, you know, needing some what was his word friction i think on defense in particular yes. and maybe this isn't the situation he was talking about i think he was talking about during tough times maybe right but i think it can still pay off even in other moments and i think right now you're seeing you're seeing veterans come through for them and i think that's just such a great thing those two guys in particular Tavon Wilson stepping in the other day as right. well another veteran and and certainly the the big guy up front DeForest Buckner but but the secondary I think that has been the most pleasant surprise on the entire team, in my opinion. I agree. And you know how we talk about coverage sacks a lot, how the defensive, mm-hmm. you know, the backfield will will basically just get the defensive line of sack. I think we need to talk about Buckner interceptions because they're the same kind of thing. Let's talk about the big guy for a minute. I mean, he kind of an invisible week one down in Jacksonville. Lots of double teams. Um, I watched the tape of the Jets game. I watched the tape of the Vikings game, and it's something I have not seen in a long time. And like, it's not shit. just the double teams, but it's the interior pressure. And we talked about this. Think about how much quicker a guy in the middle can get to the quarterback than a guy on the edge, even with the guy on the edge having a little bit more speed in most cases. Buckner is changing the way the Colts are playing defense. We said this would happen all offseason. I've had a lot of fun watching the tape and seeing the impact 99 makes. He's a pain in the ass if you're an offensive line because he just pushes you back and he makes the quarterback uncomfortable. And you saw Darnold make a ridiculous touchdown throw right in the first quarter on Sunday. Amazing play for Sam Darnold. Give him credit for it. And then he's he's probably thinking to himself the rest of the game, well, if I'm going to make a great play, I'm going to have to dodge this guy and this guy and this guy. So I'm just going to sit back in the pocket. and He's probably getting scared. And then he makes those dumb interceptions the rest of the way. So, you know, Buckner's impact is not just – on the tape, it's it's in the box score, but you, sometimes you don't even see it, and sometimes it leads to a Justin Houston safety or whatever. But um, you know, this was a huge thing the Colts coaching staff talked about after last season. They said, "Where do we want to get better on offense? They needed to get better at quarterback. On defense, they wanted a three technique. The three technique, in Chris Ballard's words, drives this thing. We're seeing it being driven right now by an All Pro, and it's making everybody better, Darius Leonard included." Um, and that is a big part of why the secondary has been able to make the plays. Nothing to, to take nothing away from TJ Carey and Xavier Rhodes, who were spectacular on Sunday. Um, Buckner's changed everything. It's a totally different defense with that guy out there. And, and as you said, it, it doesn't show up in the box score every time, right? But the moral of this story, honestly, <laughs> and not to stroke his ego or anything, but the moral of this story is to listen to Chris Ballard. Okay. He's told us this from the he day he walked in defense. the door. He knows yes. this defense. He told us this from the day he walked in the door. And we knew he was right, but, you know, it it sounds good in theory. And then you actually see it in practice. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, this is what you were talking about, right? I was and watching really practice start to today. It. I mean, just for the listeners out there, I was watching practice today. And the defensive line is one of the groups that's closest to us. And we're watching it. And I was talking to another reporter. And we're literally marveling at how small Justin Houston looks next to 99, next to Buckner. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about Houston is one of the defense, best defensive ends, best pass rushers of his generation. And he looks like a linebacker next to 
Buckner. I mean, they all do. They all look small compared next to Buckner. So imagine having to go up against this guy 55 snaps a game if you're an offensive guard or an offensive center. I mean, he just, they've never had anything like this in this town. They've never had a defensive tackle with Buckner's skill set and size. And he doesn't just win with power or speed or technique. I mean, he can do everything. He can stop the run. Um, he's not just a size guy. He wouldn't be as good as he is if he was just because of how big he is. So it's going to be fun to watch him the rest of the way. So a couple points that are not related related to Buckner, but but not related to each other, the points. The first thing is, number one, have the Colts ever had an interior defensive lineman, at least in the Indianapolis era, has an interior defensive lineman ever been their best player on defense? I submit to you the answer is absolutely no. No, not even close. <laughs> right? And I don't want to hear the Tony Siragirsa no. argument either. He was good for like one playoff stretch and had a bigger name than he had performances. Look, they've never had a pro bowler on the interior of the defensive line. Never. It's crazy. Never. Certainly, He's, Mathis Freeney did their thing, but that those are edge rushers. I'm talking about the right. big guy in the middle of defense has never been their best defensive player, ever. That has never happened. And now he is unquestionably their best defensive player. I mean, well, Darius uh, Leonard would have something to say about that. Okay. Darius, I hope Darius he's not listening to this podcast. Darius has been pretty good. Darius has been pretty good. Right. But I, but I would submit to you that right I now would, the guy who has had the, the, argument, single greatest, the single greatest impact, I think, has been DeForest Buckner. Now, Darius Leonard is probably the most talented. No question. Yeah. He's the most talented guy. But in terms of impact, so far... It's been DeForest Buckner, no question about it, and Darius has, has benefited. The other thing, the other point I was going to make, other than just you know him being the best player in the defense, the other point is this: it's not just that he's a great athlete because he is, and I and that's what I knew about him. Right? It's like okay, here's this guy with this basketball body, obviously a big guy, but but certainly right. six seven, right? So right. he's long, he gets off the ball, he's quick. I was like, all right, all those are great things, but then you start to watch him, and you know what you learn. Oh, this guy is strong as a freaking ox. Yeah. Okay. Watch him. He's literally throwing guys. Okay. He's throwing bodies around. Everybody like, saw the highlight. He threw yeah. a grown man like he was a rag doll. <laughs> that happened. An NFL player. You know, so I think when you see that, and, and not just that play, not just the highlight, watch the plays where he's in close combat with these guys and, and engaging at the point of attack, there too, you start to see it, right? Because he can long arm these guys when they're trying to get their hands on him, and he can kind of keep them at bay because he's so strong. When he locks his arms, he's so strong they can't they can't eliminate that uh, and, and and eliminate that distance between them and get get their hands on him, which is what you want, right? You want to be able to keep that offensive lineman off of you and then be able to react to the action. That's happening behind them. And that's why he gets a lot of tackles. Generally, your three technique defensive tackles not going to get a ton of tackles, but you watch the box score every week and the guy's got six or seven tackles every game. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And it's because they're not able to really get their hands on him and block him the way they want to because he's so incredibly strong. So uh, it's just been fun to watch. And, and you rarely have this much enjoyment and, and pleasure from watching. You know, a big guy. That's just it's so different. You know, ten uh, quarterback it, pressures. Fun. Ten quarterback pressures per mm. pro football reference. Uh, pro football focus from an interior spot, which is very high. And um, you know, they rank all the interior linemen in the league, and they've got them fourth right now. So it's early, but um, that was a big offseason gamble the Colts made. So far, it's paying off. Yeah.
So speaking of defense, I think um, on a related note, so a couple things. Number one, Colts are going to see an old friend this week who (laughs) is a defensive guy, Chuck Pagano. He is the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, as you probably know, took a year off of football and last year joined the Bears in that capacity. Uh, he had he had great defense to work with, no question about it. Lots of great personnel. Uh, they're off to a little bit of a up and down start this year, but I th- I will tell you what I think is is interesting. I think I said this earlier, Zach, when we were over at the team facility. So the Colts are going up against the Bears this week. They have the number one defense statistically this in the NFL odd. right now. This is What's, odd. Yeah. Okay. Number one defense in the NFL statistically. Whether that matters to you or not, whatever. But but they're pretty good. <laughs> and for seven years, Chuck Pagano, Mr. Baltimore Ravens, Mr. Defensive Mastermind, mm-hmm. was here basically leading the defense, the de facto defensive coordinator. And how many stretches did they have that were anything close to what they've put together the last couple of weeks? You know what the I mean? I, I can't the, tell you. The irony. Yeah, I mean, I you know the irony of ironies, and I don't mean to harp on this, and we don't need to go back because I don't think listeners want to relive the Chuck Pagano years. <laughs> I know we don't. You know, on day one when he was hired, Chuck Pagano said, "You know, this is about defense. We want to be aggressive. We want to dictate dictate the tempo." They never did that. They never were in the top ten in defense. Um, Build the monster here. They never <laughs> built the monster. Where's and the monster? <laughs> they beat Andrew Luck to death and basically beat football out of them. So um, <laughs> the irony being the Colts are coming into Chicago on Sunday with the top defense in a lot of categories, and they're playing a defense with arguably more talent, and the Bears are you know middle of the road right now in a lot of the rankings, 17th in a couple of different spots with a guy like Akeem Hicks, who's been very good, and Khalil Mack, who's absolutely one of the top three defensive players in football. So – I'm anxious to see how this defense does against the Colts offense that's going to move the ball around in a lot of different ways. Um, you think Chuck will have some surprises for Phillip Rivers on Sunday? I mean, I would imagine, but at the same time, you're not going to fool Phillip Rivers too often, so we'll see. But, I mean, look, Chuck is always going to have some wrinkles in terms of blitzes and, and things yeah. of that nature. Uh, that that was always a staple of his defense, so it's going to always have some intrigue. But I, I just found that to be so interesting. Now, granted, Chuck Pagano never had a DeForest Buckner or a Darius Leonard, right? Now, I don't think he had anything close to that. But that is, you know, look. How are you going <laughs> to insult David Perry like that? <laughs> I was right. trying to think of the nose That's tackles right. they've had over the years. Right. Like, I mean, you know, Corey Redding, God bless his heart. But, like, you know, it's like his best days were behind him by the time he got here, right? And so right. I, I do wonder, like, you know, could he have been – could he have been a, a better defensive coach with better talent? Of course, right? And we're not going to get into Ryan Grigson and all that. I mean, it doesn't matter now. It's, it's water under right. the bridge. Right. But at the same time, I still think uh, for what his reputation was, I don't really think we ever saw it. And and that's unfortunate. I remember hearing stories about – Jim Mercer's talked about this even. You know, when when he interviewed with the team, you know, him talking about, you know, that aggressive – defense with big men coming off the edge and uh, pressure and all of these things, they really appealed to Jim Irsay, and that was kind of what sold him. I mean, yeah. I think Ryan Grigson probably was driving the bus on it, but but certainly that really it really did appeal to Jim Irsay, and 
he's telling you know he he didn't want the Tony Dungy style defense. Oh, just let him make plays in front of you, make the tap. You know, Chuck was going to be different. It was going to be we're going to force the action, we're going to dictate the pace. Uh, and, and I don't know. I think that happened for maybe a couple of games in 2014. <laughs> you know, right where they got and, it going. And, and Peyton I, threw him a couple interceptions. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever confirmed this with Ursay, but I, I swear this goes back to the Manning years and, and the teams yeah. they lost to in the playoffs. They often ran the 3-4, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Chargers a couple times with Rivers, a quarterback. That really bugged Ursay, and he wanted a defense that would travel in the playoffs and sort of had that physical presence. And that's why I think that he wanted to get a defensive head coach, and it didn't work out. And... That's the long and short of it. Um, but, you know, an interesting thing we heard from Chris Ballard, as soon as they switched back to the 4-3 when Frank Reich took over and Matt Eberflus was hired as head as off a defensive coordinator, you know, Ballard was like, look, we're playing eight games a year on the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. I want guys that can cover. I want speed. Yeah. And you're starting to see that. You're starting to see that. Look at Darius Leonard. I mean, he's he's not the biggest linebacker by any means, but he is fast. And it's really paying off with guys in the back end as well. So, um, I don't know. Two different styles will be clashing on Sunday in Chicago. It'll be fun to watch um, the Bears in their 3-4 and, and see what Chuck comes up with. The other related topic here is the Bears quarterback situation, Nick Foles. And yeah. the, the Colts will have to defend him. Well, I'm not an expert on Nick Foles, but I know somebody who is, and his name right. is, is Frank Reich. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I'm working on a story now. You'll see it here. If By the time you listen to this, you, it may even be posted. But I'm working on a story about Frank Reich and Matt Eberflus and how they came to kind of be this, this good combination that they've become, right? Two guys who didn't know each other and only were brought together because Josh Eber, excuse me, Josh McDaniel, excuse me, um, was selfish and <laughs> bailed on the Colts. Right? It, it, so it, kind of like a weird arranged marriage. It really was, and it, it worked. It, it, it shouldn't works. have worked. It should have been a disaster. Honestly, you know, they didn't know. It's each like other. something the Browns would do. You know? I know. I remember when it happened. We were all we were both kind of like, okay, uh, <laughs> we'll see. And I think honestly, I talked to Frank about this, and you'll you'll read the story yourself. But like, he had the same kind of reaction. Like, wait, we're gonna do what? <laughs> you know? And Frank, nicest guy in the world, but even he was kind of like, wait, what? And like, so I've been working my whole career to become a head coach, and I don't even get to pick my DC. <laughs> right. So anyhow, this had no business working out, and it has worked out wonderfully. Uh, so anyhow, I say all that to say, generally, what Frank was telling me is he lets. Matt do his thing, and a couple times a week they sit down and go over the game plan defensively because, you know, Frank calls the offensive plays, and he's basically the offensive coordinator. So it's a different structure than some other teams. But this is probably going to be a little bit of a different week. (laughs) i got to believe they're going to spend a lot of time together this week. They have to. I mean, it's too much of an advantage, and they would not be smart if they didn't take advantage of that. So... Um, especially because Nick Foles has only played just a very, very little now in the Chicago offense. So, so right. Eberflus doesn't have a ton to go on. So I think this and is going to be helpful for him. I know Foles was terrific in Sunday in the, in the comeback, but he was pretty bad in camp from what I've heard from the Bears mm. writers who were there every day. And, I mean, the Colts beat the Jags by 20 last year at Lucas Oil Stadium. Foles was nothing special. Um, I don't know. I, I've seen the Foles magic. I don't think it happens this weekend. I think over the course of a full game with a, with a team that has a full week to prepare, 
it'll be different. We'll see if the Bears can can continue the magic, but that's a dangerous way to live, right? Having to you know come back from double digit deficits every single week. We'll see, but you know the the one thing no one's talking about this week is Tariq Cohen's out, and he's terrific. I mean, he's a he's a mm. tough guy to to match up against. He's a guy I thought the Colts might have some trouble with, but he went down last week. He's out with a torn ACL, so. We'll see if Foles can can push the ball downfield and get Allen Robinson involved. But, um, you know, Frank Reich, I mean, there's very few players who he gushes about more in the NFL on another team than Nick Foles. I mean, he said today he's a magician in the pocket. He throws a great deep ball. He's absolutely <laughs> unflappable. Now, I get it. I watched the Eagles in their Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, and, and Nick Foles was unbelievable. But um, he lost the job to Trubisky during camp. So, <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't exactly. know. I'm just excited to watch the game. Frank loves everybody, right? It, God right. bless him. God bless him. Like it, I would know, love Nick Foles too if he got me a Super Bowl ring. Over absolutely, the I mean, I would love him for life. Part of the reason Frank's here is because of that Super Bowl. Okay, Absol- so like, that's absolutely. Let's be honest about this. So, like, yeah, I get it. I get it. But like, you, I thought you said it best earlier, or maybe it was someone else. It was, uh, uh, it was our colleague Jim Aiello, I think, who said this uh, from the newspaper. He said, you know, when the Colts play. <laughs> play the Packers later this season. He's got the same quote about Aaron Rodgers. It's like, right. you look right. at it like, wait, is he talking about the, the Nick Foles that I know? <laughs> you know, so, uh, and again, I may have said this on our Monday podcast, but like, he loves him so much that they tried to trade for him. Okay. Like, they were thinking about it. If, if the Rivers deal, I don't know if I said this, but if the Rivers deal would have fallen through, plan B was Nick Foles. They had a trade on the table with Jacksonville. I was told, I can't tell you who told me, but trust me, it's true, <laughs> right? So, like, it was right. absolutely true. Like, they, I think it was a fourth-round pick. It was on the table. They were ready to pull the trigger. Obviously, it didn't need to be executed because the deal went through, and they got Rivers, and they were good to go. But had that deal not happened, it was going to be Nick Foles versus Jacoby Brissett in training camp, which would have been something. I don't know. I don't know if fans <laughs> would have been excited about that. Right. So... That would have been interesting in maybe all the wrong ways. Who knows? Anyhow, uh, I'm interested for this game. As you said, I think it will tell us a little bit more. Not a lot, but it will tell us a little bit more. Um, I I think really that's what this is. We're on this fact-finding mission with the Colts right Right. now. Trying to figure out who are you, what are you, what are you going to be. And this game just gives us a little more information. So I think that's good. Um, And and it's I I would say this too. Um, They're leading up to – or sort of building steam toward the schedule getting tougher. And so I think working out the kinks now is yeah. probably a good thing. You know, It's not so, a bad thing. It, you, yeah. you know, you have a hiccup in Jacksonville in week one, and it's terrible to lose in Jacksonville, but it straightened him out, that's for sure. And Philip Rivers talked about that today and how, you know, he wasn't sure how the team would respond. He hasn't been around mm-hmm. these guys long enough to know how they handle it. And they had kind of a, a dead walkthrough the next week, and guys kind of had their heads down, and then they came out and just, beat the heck out of the Vikings. So he's learning about these guys. We're learning about these guys. Um, good to get these um, stack some wins early, and we'll see. But uh, I, I think this one's going to be a challenge on Sunday. We'll see. I think the Colts are the better team, um, but we'll see how they execute. So you know we got to do predictions. Uh, we might have forgot that last week. Um, you want to go first or – you have thoughts? I'm on the record already. I've got a story coming later this week with Adam Johns, who covers the Bears up in Chicago for us. And we kind of batted around a couple ideas and, and, and bounced some things off each other. But 
I got Colts 27, Bears 17. I don't know why necessarily I went with that score. I think the Colts are probably 10 points better. I think the Bears come back to life. That's the main thing. I just think you can't keep staging these late fourth quarter comebacks. And, and mm-hmm. the way the Colts defense is built, you know, I think that'll lead to an interception in the fourth quarter as opposed to a, a Bears co- comeback. So we'll see. But I got the Colts by 10. Yeah, I'm going with the Colts. And to be honest, I'm feeling confidence in the defense more than anything right now. It's yeah. been a long time since I've said that about the Colts, but I think it, it just changes the way you look at ball games when your defense is playing well. You know, it gives your your offense a little margin for error. Yeah, they don't got to score every time they score every time. Right? Yeah, and I think that just it just changes the complexion of games, man. And I think it, as Frank Reich said, it changes the way you coach, even you know. So I'm going to give the defense the benefit of the doubt here. I, I like I like your score. I'll say I'll say twenty eight twenty. Uh, I think defense makes enough plays. I think they get it done. Nick Foles will make some plays just because that's what he does. But, you know, will he have enough? I don't think so. So I'm saying 28-20 Colts. And uh, I say they go to 3-1 and one and keep it rolling. So we'll see. We'll, we'll, somebody will be right. Somebody will be wrong. But um, I'm going with the Colts. So anyway, thanks for listening. Uh We'll have coverage on Sunday, as usual, of this big game. And as we told you, a couple stories still to come this week that you won't want to miss. So stay tuned for that. If you haven't subscribed, I believe you can still get in very, very quickly now. If you Yes. All access, I believe, for one buck. So you're not going to find a better deal than that. Yeah, best deal we've ever offered. Uh, I think it's 12 months at $1 a month. So uh, that is a limited offer. I don't know that they'll offer it again. But uh, we hit a million subscribers and, you know, the management's going crazy right now. So, hey, take advantage. (laughs) They're delirious. So, anyhow, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. This is 1% Better. We'll talk to you soon.